welcome to Chi Alpha. How's everybody doing tonight? My name is Josh Moran. I'm on staff here with Chi Alpha. I'll let you know a little bit about myself before any of you ask me what year I am. I am, in fact, 38 years old. Okay? I, yeah, right? Old. Whatever. Uh, I have a picture of my family I'd love to share with you. At least I thought that's not them. Oh my gosh! Wow! It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I do love pink. Uh, and so this is our family. That's my wife, Kate. Uh, she's in the back right there. We. Uh, and then we have four fantastically wild awesome kids uh, our daughter Emma is um, she's 13 um, right oh my gosh uh, so she is in the eighth grade uh, last semester she was the lead in the school play she played Anne in Anne Frank Right, like eighth, like seventh grade. Okay, she is phenomenal. Are you guys okay over here? She's phenomenally gifted. Uh, she's such a joy for us to have. Um, and then she's at home watching the kids tonight. So yeah, woo! Because all the college students we know are here, so we don't have a babysitter. Um, and beside her on the left is Levi. Uh, Levi is eleven. And he is in the sixth grade. Um, Levi loves animals. Okay, animals are one of his favorite things. When he grows up, he wants to be a wildlife photographer. Okay, just about six months ago, he found out that this could, in fact, be a paid position. He thought, you know what? I'm willing to just buy a camera and live off the land. Okay, I will be one with them. I will protect them. We will be there together. I will learn about them. Uh, he knows more about animals than I know about myself, okay? Um, which could be a statement about myself or a statement about him and animals, right? And so uh, he loves these things. Uh, he is also on the middle school cross-country team, okay? Uh, not only that, uh, as a sixth grader, I want you to know he's in the fast group, okay? They've got three groups. He's in the fast group. Today, uh, his first mile split was seven minutes and ten seconds. Okay, that's just his first split. Okay, he had to keep running after that. Okay, and some of you are like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Okay, uh, but he is intense. He would love to race any of you all. In particular, he would love to race you up the hill to Leah's house. Uh, it's one of his favorite places to run, and so he's willing to do that if you want to give it a go. Uh, beside, uh, on the other side is Judah, as you can see, the uh, smiley one, uh, the blonde-headed one. Judah is eight, uh, and Judah is in the uh, third grade. Man, you guys, you guys don't know how great I'm doing at this. Like, I can tell you whatever grade I want it, and you just have to believe me, right? Okay. <laughs> Judah is in the third grade. Judah is an extremely passionate child. He is passionate with the way that he loves people. He is passionate with the way that he plays with people. He is passionate in everything that he does. He is highly competitive. He loves to play disc golf, and he believes that he is better than you are. Okay? Um, this summer, he made the all-star baseball team, and he, in fact, did hit a walk-off home run, uh, which did cost me $15. 
Uh, right? We pay our kids to perform, okay? You know what I mean? It's like, this is what we do, okay? Right? No, I bet for him. I, I was like, I'll put the money down, right? And he's like, watch this, Dad. Um, and he, uh, so that's Judah. Uh, and then here on the end, uh, you know, her and I are, are matching, right? We're both wearing pink, uh, is Esther. Um, and then Esther is six. Uh, Esther is in the first grade. And um, Esther's middle name is Joy, and that is exactly what she is. Uh, she is a little bundle of joy. She loves to make friends. She loves to talk. She loves to dance. She, her life is a Disney movie, um, other than the fact that like her parents are still alive. Um, okay, I mean, you guys have seen Disney movies, right? Like that's how every single one of them starts. Okay, a spoiler alert: the parents are dead. Okay, um, and so like we don't really want her to be in a full-on Disney movie, uh, but she is, in fact. Uh, and so she loves to play with squash, squash mallows, squash, squish. <laughs> okay, look, you know what I mean? Uh, she's gonna love it when we tell her that story later. Um, it's tough, it's tough. But hey, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I, my wife and I and our kids and the Johnsons moved here in the fall of 2019 to start Chi Alpha. Uh, we had been working at the University of Virginia, working with Chi Alpha. Uh, we moved the hour across um, the mountain that we call Afton um, to move into the valley and to see um, this. And to see the Lord do the miraculous at James Madison, to see students encounter students and students encounter God in a real intangible way, to see them go on mission with one another and to see what the Lord would do here, what he would start in small beginnings, what he would do, and that he would be able to change the world through Harrisonburg, Virginia. And we are excited to be here with you tonight to start a semester. This semester we're going to be studying the Ten Commandments. All right, we're calling our series this semester the Big Ten. Okay, do you like that? Okay, like is it you know like the Big Ten's been all over the news, right? And it's like, well, actually, we had the first, we had the original Big Ten. Okay, you guys don't even have ten in the Big Ten. We actually have ten in our Big Ten. Okay, and so really excited to study the the Big Ten, like the foundation of it all, the things that happened like so long ago and that are foundational to our faith, and for us to understand, for us to live, and for us to be Jesus people. What does it mean? What could it look like for us to understand these things? Well, we know that the Ten Commandments are things that which are at the basis of Western civilization. Many of the laws that we have built in our country and in the Western world come from the basis of the Ten Commandments. And what we know is that these things have been very informational, but I believe that they can also be transformational in our lives. And so we're going to take a dive each week. We're going to be looking at uh, one of the commandments. And as we look at one of the commandments, we're going to pair it with a New Testament passage and see how it can be applicable to our lives today. But hey, before we do that, I have a question for you. I got a picture for you. One of the, one of the wonders of the modern world, if you will. Okay, I got a picture. Here it is. No, no, that's not it. That's not, no, go back. 
No, you had it. You were correct. I know it felt underwhelming, but it, I didn't. That, that is it. This is one. Of, this thing is the most fascinating thing in the modern world to me. Okay, I have read and agreed to the terms of service. Right? You have to check the box to say yes. You have agreed to these things. Okay. Every single time you get a new software update, every single time that you go to buy a new app, or all these times where they give you all these updates, that they're like, okay, you have to check this box saying that you have read and agreed to these terms. Have any of you, has anyone that you have ever known read or, or even considered reading them, right? Do you know which ones are the worst ones? I absolutely have. I believe that. Yes. I, okay. I should have written in the message for you. I should have known that you were going to be there, but hey, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, okay, look. The worst ones, right? Everybody knows what the worst ones of these are. The ones that make you scroll all the way to the bottom. And then you can't check the box and you're like, oh my gosh, just let me lie to you, okay? This is ridiculous. I don't want to do this. I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I just want the app. I don't want any of your mumbo jumbo. And I really hope this doesn't appear in court one day. Like, I, I, they've got me, okay? There's literally nothing that I can do. I'm now on record in front of you all recorded saying I have never read any of these things. Good on you. <laughs> And it's like I I don't know like I don't I don't understand why to have these things but it's like man understanding the terms of the deal can actually be a big deal in our lives and when it comes to this idea of apps and software updates right and those kind of things also please notice that it is Apple Media Services those of you that have Android phones you can just make your way right out the back door okay I'm so tired of trying to text you all in group. Okay, it's so frustrating for me. Okay, I get a notifications. So and so has no. <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> yeah, my son does have an Android phone. I bought it for him. Um, so, anyways, he's not here tonight. In case you didn't notice, okay? Because um, he's because he's eleven. Okay, I, I hope that he's asleep. Okay, he's not in college yet, but I think he thinks he's ready for it. Um, Terms of service, right? I'm sorry, I got a, I got caught on an Android tangent. Sorry. Okay. So in this sense that, like, when when it comes to accepting the terms of the deal, like when it comes to a phone, no big deal, right? How many of you signed up for a lot of things at Student Organite? You didn't realize people were actually going to contact you. You're like, I didn't know that's what I was signing up for. I didn't know those people were going to show up my room. I didn't know they were going to invite me to these things. Okay. When you sign the code of conduct at JMU, you're like, okay, maybe I will actually read this one because I did pay a lot of money to be here and it is prorated if I do drop off halfway through. But okay, but I really would like that money back. I want to get my bang for my buck. But then we also realize that what happens when we do this with our spiritual lives? When it's not just the things that we read on pieces of paper, it's not just the things that we have in our pocket, but it's actually the thing that is maybe even the most fundamental to us. Have we really understood? Have we really gotten down to the gist of it? Have we even desired to see what the terms of the deal would be for us in our own walks with God, as we would get to know Jesus, as what that could look like. And that is why I am so excited for tonight's passage. That is why I am so excited for this semester series, that we can get to the basics, that we could see the terms of the deal, and that we could see how this is going to play out in our lives as individuals, in our lives as, as core groups, in our lives as communities, and then we could see how this could impact JMU the Shenandoah Valley, in the world. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, and you're like, I've never had a Bible, I'd actually like to have a Bible, I wish somebody would give me a Bible, you are in luck! 
We have a box of Bibles in the back that we brought for you. And so if you want a Bible tonight, just put your hand up in the air and wave it around like you just don't care. And we'll be happy to give it to you. It is yours to keep. You can have it. You can write in it. You're allowed to write in the Bible. I know that that might be... That is nice. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yes. We are in Exodus chapter 20. If you're not familiar with the books of Exodus, it is the second book of the Bible. So you'll learn at the beginning, it is Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Genesis means beginnings, right? And if you just keep turning a little bit right, if you get past Genesis, then you're going to get to Exodus. If you find one that's called Leviticus, we're not going to read that yet. Okay, that's the advanced course. Okay, that's a 300 level. Okay, we're not sure we want to do that right now. Okay, but we're going to start in Exodus. And you're going to find yourselves in chapter 20. But here, let me ask you a question. When you think of the Old Testament, when you think of the Bible, when you think of the things that you have known, maybe you've heard stories growing up, or maybe you've heard people talk about Jesus, like what do you feel like is the most important story in the Old Testament narrative? You don't have to answer out loud. I know that it's like, I don't, I don't really want to do that. I'm just some of these people I just met, some of these people I'm like, some of these people I've known, so that, that's why I don't want to answer out loud, right? Okay, if you were to go up to a rabbi today, if you were to ask a teacher of the Jewish law, like an expert in the Old Testament, one who has studied the Hebrew Bible, and you were to ask them, what is the most important passage, what is the most important story in Israelite history, they would say the Exodus, the Passover, the night in which God saved his people, the night in which God led them out of Egypt, led them out of the land of slavery, and took them and was with them in the wilderness as he carried them out of Egypt, as he led them towards the promised land. The Passover is a night in which our faith was born, and a night in which our faith continues, and a night in which like, the Jewish people look back on like this is a pinnacle moment. And what we see is that as we, as we journey into the Ten Commandments, that these have come right on, right after we have seen the Israelites come out of Egypt. Okay, maybe when you think about the Ten Commandments, you're like, okay, I know these Ten Commandments. Uh, you know, maybe I had to memorize them, or maybe I don't memorize them anymore, or maybe I'm like kind of familiar, or it feels like some of them are kind of the same, or I'm not sure exactly what they are. And, and aren't there two tablets, right? Maybe you, uh, okay, so it, what I used to say is maybe you've seen the movie um, The Ten Commandments, right? That's the name of it, right? Charlton Heston, and obviously you guys are in a different generation. So maybe you've seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, right? Okay, uh, and you're like, oh, that's it, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, so there you go. Now we're all on the same page. Okay, but when growing up, when I pictured the Ten Commandments, and it's like Moses comes down from the mountain, right? And he's holding two stone tablets, right? Anybody got this picture? He's carrying two of them down. What I've always thought, I think I have a picture of them. Not them exactly, just just they're just two stone tablets. I don't read Hebrew, so I have no idea what those say. Um, yeah, I got you. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. tombs. Yeah, okay. But he's carrying them, right? So they're yeah. right. He's he's a big dude, right? Like Moses must have been ripped. Okay. <laughs> okay. He did not wait in line at you, Rick. Okay. He got like early access. Okay. I was like, man, this guy is so relevant for how old he is. Thanks. Appreciate that. Okay. Uh, I've always pictured the two stone tablets. Okay. Like on the left one was the first five. And on the right one was the second five, six through ten. 
right? Maybe that's what you thought. Maybe that's like the pictures that you've seen or the flannel graphs or the, uh, why do I say flannel graphs? You guys never had flannel graphs. I'm so sorry. Just, I'm, so, I'm not talking about anything. Pretend like I never said it, okay? I grew up with flannel graphs and none of you did, okay? We burned those things before you were even born. They were miserable, okay? Okay, I remember like one through five on one side, six through ten on the other tab. But what we actually believe now is that God wrote all ten on each of them. And the reason that God wrote all ten on each of them is because God was entering into a covenant relationship with Israel. He was reaffirming the covenant that he'd already entered into them and that what he was writing on those, what he was writing on those tablets, the Ten Commandments, were not only for them, but they were from him. That he was saying that this is your copy and this is my copy and that we are going to be in this together. And oftentimes when we, when we sometimes approach the rules of God, we think that, that he is just trying to, like God is this taskmaster, or God is this, he's this God who is trying to like make us do things. But the Ten Commandments start, the Exodus story starts with God reaffirming his relationship to the Israelites, explaining that he is in a covenant with them, that he loves them, that he knows them, that he cares for them. And what we're going to see, we're going to read here in Exodus chapter 20, We'll read, uh, we're gonna, it's going to be long tonight. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. No, well, you know what? Well, I'll give you a bonus one. Verse 3 here. This is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So let's break this down a little bit, Kyle. But what we see is that God at the very beginning reaffirms his relationship. He says, I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is the name in which God had given to Moses when, God, when Moses says, who am I supposed to tell the Israelites that you are? And God says, I am that I am. I am Yahweh. And then that God is reaffirming this relationship with the Israelites as he begins to enter into what the Ten Commandments could be. He first says, I am the God who is with you. I am the God who brought you out of things that were unimaginable. I am the God that took you from the places that you did not want to be and am now with you on this road, on this journey. Some of you are sitting here tonight and you're not sure how you got here. You're not sure how you got on this journey. Some of you, you come from a past that is familiar with the things of God. And others of you come from a past where you're like, this is my first time in church, if you even want to call it that tonight. And what God is saying to the Israelites and what he's saying to you tonight is that he wants to be the God that would be with you. He wants to reaffirm his relationship with you. He wants to know that he has been pursuing you, that he wants to know you, that he wants to be in relationship with you because God himself is relational. That he wants to be known by you and know you, Chi Alpha. G.K. Chesterton, when he talks about the the rules and the commandments of God. He uses this, this imagery of a playground on the top of a hill. Okay, so you can imagine this playground. It's on the top of a hill, and there's like there's slides and swings, uh, but it's at the very top of a very tall hill, and it's kind of like there's not a lot of land mass, okay? Okay, so it's like, it's like there's not a lot of space, and the kids would go up to the top of the playground and they would find themselves all huddled in the middle of the playground because they were afraid to go down the slide because they didn't want to fall down the hill. They were afraid to jump off the swing because they didn't want to roll down the hill. And they're like, I don't know, this, this doesn't feel exactly right. Every time they played with the ball, it would roll all the way down to the bottom of the hill. And you're like, this is so frustrating. And the, the commandments of God are God coming up and putting a fence around the playground. 
We can look at it from the outside and be like, why is that fence there? It makes it so hard to get in. I can't get in after hours. Yes, you can. You just open the gate and go in. And it's like, why, why is this there? And this is so fun. But then actually it allows the children to play. So they no longer feel like they're going to fall down the hill. They no longer lose their balls each time. And they can now enter into the play to which the playground was created for. I like to think about the rules of God sometimes like guardrails on the highway. Okay, let's go back to Afton Mountain, right? That place is scary at night in the fog, and I can't see very well. Do not ride with me at night, okay? If there is another chance for you to ride with someone else to fall retreat, do not ride with me, okay? It will not be safe for you, okay? I can't read road signs at night. Things get really blurry. It's like, I don't know. where. And if it's raining, you can forget it. Okay, uh, some of you are like, I've been in the car with him at night. And I feel like I've said this into a microphone several times. That's on you at this point, okay? Okay, I like to picture the rules of God sometimes like the guardrails on the side of the mountain. They're there to protect you. And sometimes you come up on a guardrail and you're like, man, that thing got beat up. But I bet the car that hit it was really glad that it was there. Because the other option would have been unimaginable. So, Kyle, tonight, as we look at the commandments of God, as we begin our look into the Ten Commandments, may you believe, may you feel that God is for you. That these things that he has laid out for his people are not just so that he can be a taskmaster, not just so that he can give out detention, but they actually are to help you to help guide you and to give you the life lived abundantly and the life that is full of fun on what we would call the playground of life. Nice. You see, I brought the playground image back in. Okay, so the first one is God says you shall have no other gods before me. What God tells the Israelites is the first commandment or the Ten Commandments is that there could be no other gods before me. Now here, what, what God is not saying is that God believes in polytheism. Okay, God's like, hey, you know what? There's all kinds of other gods, and you can you have to choose them, and so you, you have like I have to be first. You can put all these other things second, third, fourth. Like it doesn't really matter. That is not what God is saying. What God here is talking about is the exclusivity of Himself. That He is the God who is. That He is the God who was there. That He was the God that was there from the beginning. That He is the Creator of the universe. That He was the Creator of the universe. That He is the God who cares for them, and there can be no other because there is no other. The Israelites themselves lived in a, in a world that had many different gods. There was a sun god. There was a moon god. There was a, a god for fertility, a god for war, a god for crops. And, it's like, and your life was spent trying to appease the gods. And you're always wondering, am I on the right side? Or why did it rain? Or why didn't it rain? Or why did this happen to me? Or why didn't this happen to me? And why did this happen to my family? And I should have done this, and I should have done that, and this, and that, and this, and that. And am I ever going to be enough? And God tells the Israelites, I am the God that was with you. I am the God that brought you out of Egypt. And you shall have no other gods before me that I am the one that is worthy to be worshipped, that I am the God that is worthy to be known, and I am the God that cares for you, that loves you, that knows you, and the God that has a plan for you. When I read this commandment, as I think about this first commandment, the passage that comes to my mind in the New Testament is in Luke chapter 
let's say uh, 14. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. Uh, Luke is in the New Testament. Okay, if you flip to the middle, that should be the Psalms. Keep turning right. You're going to get to a bunch of dudes' names. Okay, those are called the uh, minor prophets. Okay, and so you're going to keep going through those. You're like, I can't pronounce those right now. Okay, then you're going to find Matthew, and then Mark, and then Luke. Um, it's on page uh, 1008 in my Bible. If that's helpful. Like, haha, oh, that's not funny, Josh. Uh, chapter 14. We're going to be reading verses 28 to 33. Some of you, your Bibles has this in red letters. This is Jesus talking to his disciples about the cost of being a disciple. Like, what is it going to mean to have no other gods before him? What is it going to mean for the exclusivity of Christ? What is it going to mean for us to follow Jesus wholeheartedly? This is what Jesus tells his disciples, the crowd that has gathered um, around him. Verses 28 to 33. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. You guys build towers in your spare time, right? You're like, this is a very relatable example, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> suppose some of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Okay, you're like, I'm just checking my Venmo balance, right? And I'm going to see, like, do I have enough for Chipotle tonight? You do not, Okay. <laughs> Spend all of your flex dollars early, okay, right? You might as well. We'll run out at the end, and we'll talk about it then. Um, for if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Some of you have been considering this in your suite. Like, we are ready to take over the other suite, okay? Like... I'm ready to go to war with them. Uh, I don't know why they are up so early, or I don't know why they are up so late. And actually, those two could actually mean the exact same thing. Um, okay? Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off, and he will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Whew. That took a hard turn there at the end, didn't it? Like, oh, Jesus, I was with you. I was like, yes, I am ready to count how many people I have and to see if I want to have terms of peace. And then Jesus says, if you're not willing to give up everything, you can't be my disciple. He's saying, I'm the one that is worthy to be worshipped, and I'm the one that is worth it, you counting the cost at the very beginning. Jesus calls this counting the cost. And Kyle, I can't think of a better time than the beginning of a new semester. Some of you, it's your first semester. Some of you, it's your third semester. Some of you, it's your fifth semester. Some of you are on a victory lap, right? This is your ninth semester, and you have earned it, okay? Like, you get that grad degree, or that undergrad degree right no judgment here all right you do what you gotta do and jesus says like like at the beginning of this semester kaiofa can i encourage you to count the cost for what it would mean for you to follow jesus You've come here tonight, you're sitting, you're sitting amongst friends, or you're sitting amongst people who you are hopefully going to be friends. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to live with this person or not. But what I'm asking of you is to truly spend this semester and count the cost for what it could mean to follow Jesus. 
what it could mean for you tomorrow morning, what it could mean for your relationships for this weekend, what it could mean for your family life, what it could mean for your studies, and for you to truly sit down and actually count the cost. For many years in my life, what I did was I just went with the flow. The culture of the current of culture was able to carry me wherever I wanted to go, and I was willing to go on that ride wherever it would take me. And so whenever I was with my friends who loved Jesus, I loved Jesus. Whenever I was with my friends who didn't love Jesus, I didn't love Jesus. And Jesus was not truly supreme in my life. Jesus was not truly the one that I worshipped amongst all other things. Jesus was just like something that was with me when it was convenient. I had never actually counted the cost for what it, what it would cost me to follow Jesus. Now here's the deal, Kyle. If you truly sit down and count the cost, what does the text tell us will happen? It doesn't, because I don't know. I don't know what the rest of your days are going to be like. I don't know what your time at JMU is going to be like. But what I do know is that the workers who wanted to build the house do eventually build the tower. The king does go to war if he has truly counted the cost. And I believe that whatever is out there for you that would be in Jesus is out there and it is good. It won't always feel good. It won't always be easy. But the life lived following Jesus is truly the adventure of a lifetime. I believe Christians have more fun on accident than most people have on purpose because following Jesus is a lot of fun. Now, sometimes it's like, I don't know if I want to pay this. But I remember a moment for me in Minor Hall where I met Jesus for the very first time. And I was like, I'm going to forsake all of the things. And I'm going to see how far I could go with this. I'm willing to sell it all and get the deal of a lifetime. Kyle, I believe that that is what offer to every single one of you tonight as we start the semester that you could go on the journey of a lifetime, that you could follow Jesus in radical community, that you could give up all other things, and that you could get the deal of a lifetime tonight.